Hello and welcome to this exciting episode of Pop Salsa, a Los Angeles Comic Con 2022 review show. Yeah. I am your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy Ernesto. Hey! Pop Salsa is a bi-weekly entertainment podcast. This time around, we are going to discuss Ernesto's adventures at <laughs> LA <laughs> Comic Con. I love it, Ernesto's adventures. Well, it, usually, it would have been our adventure, but I couldn't go this year. Yeah, yeah, shame. Or, Next year. Next year, yeah, for sure. Next year, um, there is. It feels like uh, there is next year. Now that pandemic's pretty much over, mm. that the the con circuit is gonna like come back and forth. And I kind of feel like this would have been the the one to go to because by the looks of it, there weren't a lot of people. Yeah, it it was surprising how I wouldn't say empty, right? But it wasn't as uh, like a sardine box. Yeah. If you guys have that image. It was, it was very open. I didn't really bump into a lot of people. And there was, there was a very high energy like, we're back. Welcome back. Because it, technically, it's the first uh, Comic-Con back in physical. Because yeah. last year was was digital. Yeah, LA we're talking Comic-Con. LA here, not not like Comic-Con in general. Right. It's LA Comic-Con. Yeah, LA Comic-Con um, you know, used to be Kamikaze. Stan Lee's Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so it used to be that. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool to be yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah, I could imagine like the first time we went... Um, with like a, an agenda, essentially, you could say, mm. uh, was 2016. Oh, has it been that long already? Yeah, it's been we six had, years now. We had a host as well. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and um, there was barely any anybody there, maybe under 50,000 people. Yeah. It was awesome. I feel like that one was the best one we went to. Yeah. But we went to 2017 and 2018. Mm-hmm. And I feel like towards the towards the end, it kind of felt like it was getting too much. It did. It, it was packed. It did. It did. I remember we we're in the corner somewhere in the hall, where we we used to do guerrilla uh, podcasting, which essentially we bring a recorder of uh, sound be damned, <laughs> and we try to review the panels that coming out from it. And we might do that again next year. And it yeah. sounds like a cool idea. But it, it, it is a, a fun thing to do, you know, just to like keep us on our toes. Right. Fun. Exactly. And it was. It was. It was like you turn right, there was a person there. You turn left, there was a person there. And I got really annoyed because uh, as much as I w- want to go to San Diego Comic-Con, I don't want that experience, <laughs> yeah. you know. San Diego Comic-Con would be awesome if it wasn't all that people there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. No no lines to get food, you know, no lines to the restroom, just no. zero. So when we had first um, started um, maneuvering to be able to a- attend this con, hmm. We saw the requirement sheets and a lot of the perks, I guess you could say, that we had in, pr- in prior Comic Cons, they weren't offered to to the media this right. time around. Right. Was, do you feel like that wasn't a big effect or no? Uh, to be frank with you, it didn't feel like it was a big effect at all. Because last year, they did have those panels where there were must-see panels, right? You have to go to those panels. There's there's guests that are going to show up. But for this year, uh, I, I think they kind of toned it down a bit. They didn't mm-hmm. want to go overzealous. You know, you might get a lot of people and then, you know, COVID starts uh, or whatever starts peaking and stuff. But a majority of the panels were in the main stage in the exposition hall. Yeah. Which is good or bad because, I mean, it's there. Everyone can see it. I mean, there are big screen there and then everyone could like enjoy the guests, whoever came in you get more bang for your buck but for the most part you're going to be standing yeah and i feel like being in the main hall there's already so much going on right like there's the booths there's obviously a whole bunch of cosplayers walking around um artist alley there's so many so much going on like why would you want something to detract both from what's already going on in the 
in the main room mm-hmm. and for the panel. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And with, with that said, this Comic Con, uh, it felt in the vein of celebration. Yeah. Uh, despite the context where there's so many different, you know, there's Supernatural, there's Star Wars, there's Star Trek, there's so many other shows, but it felt very, uh, I want to say, intimate. Like a lot of the panels were there to improve upon, you know, how you're either your industry or improve upon you know, a certain view or just experience other people, right? Just enjoy the time there. And it wasn't as, it didn't feel very toxic too much there. That's good. And I, I, I guess that also comes with the, 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 the reduction in size of the crowd, right? Mm. Like, do you know if there's an official count or anything like that? I, I want to say upwards towards 80,000. 80,000. 80,000. And that felt, pretty good yeah <laughs> it, that, it felt, yeah like the last time we went i felt like it was like 120 130 yeah, like that. yeah yeah and you felt the the energy of the people and it's something like we you could see this you know if you live in a big city you could see this just walking down the street how people feel angsty because mm. they're basically like right on top of each other yeah yeah and i feel like this is an environment where it would benefit from having a smaller crowd so that people feel more relaxed more accepting more yeah inclusive with with one another yeah absolutely there were there were lines were in uh, and it was just uh, it was like people just talking to you like hey how's it going are you like all right you know people who would you usually just walk past in the street just kind of want to talk to you just to talk to you mm-hmm. and whether or not you want to or not is sure but just that fact that people are open to that there was one podcast where not podcast excuse me one panel where we went to and uh it was it was like we're in line and we're kind of looking confused. We're like, okay, what's going on? And then some uh, some ladies like, yeah, the double booked it. It hasn't started yet. I was like, oh, really? And then we just have a conversation like, hey, how are you doing? How are you? And then and we went on our way to find another panel. Yeah. And it, it's something like that in celebration where you people can just talk to you and then you kind of like enjoy Star Wars. Like, hey, I like your shirt. Like, I like yours. It's so it's a nice feeling and to have it at a, a Comic Con and LA Comic Con. Is it's 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 disarming for me because I'm not used to that at an LA Comic Con, right? Yeah. Because we've covered it a lot, and it doesn't really have that atmosphere back then. No, it, it definitely towards the end of our original run, it didn't feel like that. Um, I get the sense that this one, because it might be, you know, the factors of post pandemic or whatever, maybe because mm. it's also in December. There's <laughs> there's a lot of external factors going on as well. Yeah. Um, and that people didn't really necessarily feel the need to attend. But next year, I get the sense that this is going to explode. Like, it was going to follow the track it was pre-pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the talent that they brought to the stage. I mean, you have Shang-Chi, Simlu, you have Gia Carlo, you have Ming-Wen, like, from Mandalorian. And just, just a lot of people that showed up just to reignite. LA's Comic Con stuff, and you're absolutely right. I feel yeah. like they're going to be a hundred thousand again next year. Do you think that the way LA is set up would it benefit for having like a major convention span across the city, like uh, like the Olympics? What Olympics well, comes here? There's one designated stadium, but right. events are held all over the city. Right, so right. Something that spreads it out and it doesn't feel like everybody has to converge into downtown LA. I don't think so. Yeah. I feel like it's... I, I'm When you say converge, San Diego Comic-Con came to mind. Mm. But with San Diego Comic-Con, I haven't been, uh, full disclosure, <laughs> but it felt the area around the convention center feels flat. 
Mm. You know, I mean, you have the convention hall and then you have kind of small buildings and then the, the high rises are, are very far away. Yeah. So there's a lot of, I don't know, light and stuff going on. But for L.A., it's it's very dank and very claustrophobic. Like, you go down the wrong alley. Like, <laughs> like is this the Comic-Con event? Yeah. You go down the wrong alley or something like, like that. Like, where, where L.A. Live and the um, Crypto Center. <laughs> right. What's it? What's crypt, Crypto.com. For me, it's always going to be the, the LA Staples Center. Right. I don't know, fuck who pays $100 <laughs> billion to name it. It's always going to be the state. Absolutely. Center. But in that area, you know, it's it's very... So you stay on this side of the street, but if you cross Figaro, you'll die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember we went last last year and like some dude passes the green light and then almost barges into us. Right. You remember that? And then we're going over, we're crossing and then collectively 11 (laughs) strangers decided to curse at this one guy. Like, what are you doing? Get out the street. We're walking here. And like, like, and so, yeah, it's. I don't want to lean on that LA's dangerous. Some mm. extent it is, some extent it's not. It really depends on where you go yeah. and what time of day you go. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I don't I don't think LA Comic-Con uh it would it would definitely benefit if they could pull it off, but it's already a sketchy enough place as it is. There used to be Hooters across the street. It's yeah. gone now. Oh, really? Yeah. The casualty of the pandemic. <laughs> casualty of the pandemic. <laughs> and a lot of changing around going there, but uh yeah, I don't know how that would work with them. Yeah, this is something that would be interesting because, like, L.A. is a cluster of major cities, essentially. You know, like... Right. It's and a mega city, isn't me- it? Yeah, it's a mega city. And each one has their own convention center, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. So, like, maybe take advantage of how spread out it is and have, you know... Pasadena holds some of it. Uh, Beverly Hills oh, holds some of it. Oh, I don't know how yes. that would work then. Because um, that feels like that's really far already. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like... They're obviously going to have to. It would be cool, right? They would have to come up with like some sort of logistics on how to transmit, Mm. um, you know, con uh, panels through all the locations. But I feel like maybe truly expanding because, like, for some reason, L.A., you know, Hollywood being the hub of filmmaking. Yeah, we we don't really get any of the the (laughs) of the scoops or anything like that. You know, the sneak peeks and the hall H's, right? Yeah, we don't. That's so weird, right? Like all the cons, all the L.A. Comic Cons we've covered, there hasn't really been like, oh, it was a drop that L.A. Comic Con. I mean, maybe there was, but there isn't like no hall. it's, It's never like what comes out of San Diego or um, New York Comic Con or even fucking uh, Brazil Comic Con last week. <laughs> I was thinking like, dude, so many trailers dropped in Brazil. But yeah, I was thinking it during uh, the Shang-Chi panel with Sim Liu. Yeah. I was like, wow, there there isn't like a Hall H kind of area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There isn't like this area where they announce all these news and they drop. But like it's... It leans to where LA Comic Con is more of just kind of improving yourself or seeing another perspective in a fandom. Less about just announcing news and stuff like that. Yeah, and and I feel like that's what made uh, Comic Con unique back when we first went because it wasn't, you know, even though it's in the city of, you know, production, capital of the world, it didn't feel like it was held to that. Right. You know, it felt like something, just a group of, friends you know eighty thousand of us showing up and acknowledging the love that we have in one common common thing yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> all right so san diego comic-con friday saturday and sunday you went all three days right yes what was day one like uh day one was uh like empty, empty it, was, yeah. it was there was a lot of cosplayers granted and it, it was really 
just to kind of get a scope of the area mm-hmm. i went to the exposition hall and i just went all around the exposition hall and there's a lot of booths and a lot of uh stuff that they set up which was pretty nice a lot of stuff to buy yeah mostly yeah a lot of stuff to buy there was artist alley and i felt like artist alley had a lot of though like the people who had like charities and stuff like that or mm-hmm. people not just selling some voice actors or some there even artists artist alley but not just you know artists trying to make a buck or trying to improve you know sell their art but like actual comic book artists were there as well that's cool yeah um so other than than just like the basic rudimentary because like really friday is still like a setup day right yeah because the main stuff happens on on saturday and sunday yeah so saturday was the big day for you right you went to a whole bunch of con- uh, panels and the first one was the shang chi one yeah which is in in the main hall yeah and you kind of get the ernesto um did some recordings and stuff like that. We're going to post it on our Substacks uh, later, and so stay tuned to, for that. But you kind of feel like with the Shang Chi, something of that importance, you mm-hmm. could say, it kind of hurt it being in that in in the panel in like the room that it was, right? Yeah, it, it that's a that's a thing. That's I'm open to having giving the opportunity for people to like watch it, not just have to fall in line, right? Who yeah. wants to fall in line? But yeah, it, it felt uh, it kind of robbed it of bit it being personal kind of mm-hmm. thing because at least in a panel, you, it's 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 like you and him yeah. kind of deal, and then he stops. But it it felt more of like this is this is <laughs> Simlu, this is how been. It's it's very in a sense, it's very personal and not personal because the questions that the guy asked was just like how he is or anything projects he's been working on and how does he break into becoming an actor and yeah stuff very like standard you know yeah. panel question questionnaire yeah pretty much he tried to dig some i shank there's a sequel shang chi being uh-huh. produced which i didn't know and i was in the theater i'm not in the theater in the in the group of people i was like really I was, <laughs> apparently i was the only one who didn't know but that was cool i uh, there's other stuff that projects that he's been working on of course he can't talk about it yeah uh, and then just him as as an actor trying to break in well it was nice to see him like oh you know uh, talk about his experiences and stuff yeah and it's it's something that's pretty you know it's pretty standard in these con yeah. in, in con you know like um everybody who comes be a voice actor actor you know famous not necessarily at like the stardom level it's all just the same questions being recycled over and over and they have their answer you know scientific <laughs> down to the method and so if you want to start prying and something like that, and then I guess they have, they also have like a subset of pre-approved topics or questions and stuff like that. Yeah. Like for me, I would have asked them something a lot harder, a lot more, something that actually would have put bullets, like beads of bullet on them. Yeah. Like that. But that's not really the, that's not the location. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, a panel, at least in a hall, it feels more intimate. Yeah. It feels more intimate. It also feels the closed doors feel like, you know, the only news that you're going to say is going to leak, but it's going to stay with the, the group for a while at least. But here yeah. it was projected across the whole exposition hall. Yeah, it feels like the like you said, the, the, the level of intimacy wasn't there. Yeah. Because like if, if you say that they're working on Shang-Chi, a second one, and you were the only one who had like an, a real reaction, that kind of feels like 
Shang-Chi 2 would be a pretty major thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> apparently it already is a major thing, and I was the only one not in the know. Not in the know. <laughs> but uh, it, I think that's the purpose of them. Yeah. All right, they're standard questions, yes. But it, it was just to see him, mm-hmm. right? There's a, like, who's going to have a chance to walk into like a hall? Like, hey, there's him on the stage or something like that. It's just a chance for... Uh, goers to see a celebrity in somewhat the flesh because yeah. you, know, you can't really go up there and touch him or anything and it also like also lends legitimacy to the con right um that's one thing that we noticed towards the end is that there are more and more i don't want to say like a-listers like obviously mm-hmm. you know brad pitt or they weren't there <laughs> i'm not gonna it wasn't the same level of caliber of um stars that would go to like San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. But there were, you know, pretty significant, especially at the time. It was um the fuck was his last name? Iron uh shit. Um the Defenders. The Oh uh, <laughs> uh it's not Iron Fist is the uh is it Luke Cage? Luke Cage. There Luke you go. Cage, right. Luke Cage, yeah. He was there. And obviously at that point Luke Cage was blowing up. Fantastic. Him as an actor had a lot of us stock in his career and stuff like that so yeah it brings legitimate legitimacy to to the con just same thing with how do you say his name i, don't, I can't pronounce sim you lu sim you sim you lu sim you yeah sim you lu sim you lu i believe i probably might be wrong <laughs> shang chi well, yeah, the, the actor who plays shang chi when yeah. he, he was there obviously a, a an actor who's at the cusp of marvel greatness yeah you know again going to bring legitimacy to to the con yeah absolutely it's it's a-listers in the comic sense i guess you <laughs> yeah. know the video the nerd the nerd first <laughs> yeah and stuff like that yeah you, you you wouldn't see brad pitt but you would see someone like luke cage or sim Liu and stuff like that sim mm-hmm. Liu, I'm yeah so, sorry. so is there anything your name wrong <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that stands out from the shang chi panel for you? oh i i think just how into it he was i mean there's an energy he brings forth and i love that he was able to kind of articulate it to the group of a crowd (laughs) the the crowd crowd. (laughs) the group of crowds that were all around stuff like that um other than that his impressions impressions yeah it was a good impression yeah Yeah. he did um he did Gollum. he did yeah he did i love it so much (laughs) i saw like i was listening to the um uh, to ernesto's uh audio recordings after the fact and you could hear just how in love he fell with, <laughs> with uh, this actor <laughs> it like, uh, one way to my heart is impressions like yeah. any impressions I'll, I'll absolutely love impressions and he did impressions and i did fall in love <laughs> so yeah it's it's great that he's he's like that kind of actor that doesn't take things too seriously but like you said he's on the cusp and he is developing his career and there will be a time where he will arise from his marvel stint yeah, and do more personal things and more serious things. But for now, as a young actor, just have fun, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that I hope he doesn't lose because, like, you can mm. clearly tell that he was very grateful and genuine and thankful for the position that he he's he was he's in, and um, hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't go to his head. Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to say. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's actors that won't go unnamed but there it's like really you got to stop talking now don't look at me yeah yeah Yeah. don't look at me and i hate (laughs) i I don't like that i mean they're actors they work for their art i I get it they're celebrities but uh there's comes a time where you kind of you disillusion your fan base yeah truly they said that like that saying never meet your heroes right it's 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 a saying for a reason yeah yeah and it sucks because well like patrick stewart walks in 
and like he turns out he's a dick oh, <laughs> right that would that, be that, that, that'll just break my fan like I, now i can't unsee it yeah so, you can't unlive it yeah uh, umbrella academy what was the second panel you go to yeah right it's about right after right after yeah, right after so i just stood there <laughs> so, so this is obviously a panel for the uh, was it in the main hall as well yeah yeah majority of the panels uh with celebrities i suppose were in the main hall it okay. wasn't really like a panel where it was in a closed room that's kind of sucks yeah because yeah. i feel like the way the la convention center is set up is that you could the walls are movable yeah i don't know if you know that the walls yeah. are movable so you could make a room bigger and smaller yeah. So why not take advantage of that? Yeah, and I've, I was in a hall where it was massive, and yeah. it was just for Overwatch uh, sound voice actors, and it was just like <laughs> not a lot of people, but like whoa, this is this should be way more people yeah. than, than it should be. But yeah, I get you. Yeah. So um, Umbrella Academy is obviously a panel for the Netflix adaptation. Yeah. It's not like they're gonna do a panel for, <laughs> for unless comic. it was like a retrospective uh, for, for the comic book that came out what right. fifteen years ago at this point now. Yeah, 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 yeah something yeah. like that. So, I I read the comic. I haven't seen the adaptation. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I've I've watched it. All of it. I've watched all of it. Yeah. Have you read the comic? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so my my opinion is is solely based on the show, and I absolutely love the show. Just mm-hmm. the kind of energy they bring. Because I don't have siblings. Yeah. Uh, I I believe Joel has siblings. And... <laughs> It's a complicated relationship. Let's just <laughs> and, leave it at that. <laughs> and the, the kind of energy they have is sibling energy. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I'll talk to my sibling like that. They, they, <laughs> it, just the, how did the dialogue and the panel, uh, fortunately, had Jamie and Jason Nessie. Nessie. I'm sorry I'm pronouncing that wrong. But yeah, it's the co-executive producer and the, well, they're both co-executive producers. And uh, there was actually guests who came from the show. And uh, I'm sorry, but it was the actress who plays the mom in the show and uh, the one who plays Hazel on the show. So uh, that was that was exciting because I didn't know it was them until uh, a, a lady next to me is like, yeah, they're, they're going to show up. And I was like, really? You're lying to me, stranger. <laughs> You're lying but, to me. And then lo and behold, she comes up and then Hazel comes up. And uh, it was crazy because it's I've, I've never see, I've never gotten the opportunity to see them in yeah. person at all. Like, period. So to see even just those actors there. I'm, I'm looking at the cast list and mm. i don't recognize anybody from the pictures that you showed me but um <laughs> so the one thing that i had about the umbrella academy is that i did yeah. try to watch it mm. and if you want to talk about you know picture like comic book accurate representation there's the watchman and then there's this <laughs> right because it looked so much like what the the the, the comic book was right. so it's like oh this is awesome i don't know why i just never got into it right but it, it was it, yeah it's an interesting um story uh, for those who don't know is Ger- gerard way yeah the, created the characters right in the comic book for yeah. the singer or one of the members of um fuck what's that band uh, my chemical romance. my chemical romance there you go going back yeah. to high school way back to Ew. high school yeah <laughs> So it was interesting, right? To see, is there anything that that stood out for you from the panel? I I, th- I think it's the one where they started talking about their experiences mm-hmm. and how uh, they felt kind of out of place at some moments, and then that the creative, like the directors, encouraged them to explore that kind of emotion or explore that kind of mindset. Yeah. Like I don't, not a lot of all well, the great directors allow you to you know explore yourself. Not they're not very. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in an acting sense <laughs> yes <laughs> and that's what the the it felt with the panel as well I, I forgot to mention that steve blackman the show creator was supposed to come 
But he had some issues with the production they're working on the season five, I think. It, were season five or yeah, oh, I, really? I, I believe so. Season five only, or four. That was only like three. So season four then. Okay. Yeah. So season four. Yeah, the, three seasons. Let's see right here. Okay. Yeah, season four. The most recent one, something happened, so he wasn't able to show up, which was a shame. That would be cool to see the, the show creator. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, it, it, it interesting panel. Um, the next one, how to break into voice acting panel. This is mm. something that I feel like we've attended some variant of. <laughs> I feel like we go all the time. Yeah, <laughs> just to see what we learn. Um, yeah. So uh, break it down for me. How was it? So uh, essentially, and I, I I was there for uh, Courtney Taylor, right? Courtney Taylor was a voice actor in Mass Effect. And mm-hmm. I love Mass Effect, but I, she wasn't able to arrive there, uh, show up. So we just had uh, Ashley, which was great too. I mean, don't get me wrong. The broken whole promises. Yeah, it was a broken <laughs> promise, but I, it was fantastic nonetheless. Um, there was a veteran voice actors were like uh, Kissy Jones, I believe, was there, and then some uh, directors, uh, Ashley DeWitt, and uh, I think uh, Julia Schofifling. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but she's the author of the Art of Business of Acting for Video Games. So that was that was exciting. She there's a lot of energy from the act from the casting directors. So w- was this more video game centric rather than it like was, animation? It was a little bit of both because okay. Casey Jones in particular, uh, she worked on the Owl House, but also she worked on Firewatch, which won a bunch of awards. And uh, it was essentially how to, I mean, like break into acting. So they yeah. broke it down, but like you need an act, you need a a agent, you need kind of like a reel, like which avenues to go to, which resources to have, and and all that, and all that, all that good stuff. So they they basically underlined the old way of getting into to acting because like now mm. we see where because of the internet, people because of the internet, people. You know, upload their work and stuff at in, on YouTube, and they'll get jobs. Like famously, the guy who fixed the uh, Luke CGI. Right. So, did did they ever like talk on that, utilizing the power of social media or the internet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They actually they gave a site that a lot of the audience members knew. Apparently, was like how to become a voice actor dot com, and it's from one of the most prolific voice actors uh, who you know voice acted, and he does a thousands of voices. The name is blanking on my head, but the, he's he, when you know his name, you'll definitely know like, whoa, he has that website. And they did have different avenues. Mm-hmm. Like when the questions came along for the Q&A, a lot of the actors and growing actresses wanted to learn how, like, how do we do this? How do we do that? And they did a lot of resources for like the Internet or you know, like YouTube or just just voice acting in general. They also did stuff where you have to be like an actor, like take acting classes and stuff like that. So it's a little mix of both. Of like the old ways, if you want to say that, and kind of the more contemporary, like internet and you know branching out and social media. That's cool. That's something that um, I've heard echo from Tara Strong, you mm-hmm. know, voice of countless uh, animated videos. They say that a lot of people go up to her and think that they could do what she does because they have a funny voice. Yeah, and that's what they said the yeah. first five minutes. <laughs> it, just because someone's like, "Hey, you you have a nice voice. You should do voice acting." It's like, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't dive into. Yeah, that. and she she said that it. You, you need to be an actor. Yeah. Not just have a funny voice, which it's, yeah, I guess like people who are in that world know and, and the, the best ones to know, you know? Yeah. And the, the main highlight from this panel was uh, that you have to act. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like you have to convey a certain amount of emotion from like a script, from like words. You have to convey some like desperation. You have to convey some like interest. Just because you can do an impression doesn't mean you can become a voice actor. To some extent, you can. I mean, some people, there are thousands of games, indie games, who need voice actors, professional or not. Yeah. Right? So there are avenues there. But uh, to become an actual voice actor, you would have to have some sort of like gravitas to your voice. Yeah, like yeah. it's something that you, there are countless of videos where there's people shooting or recording their their lines, you know, and you see them distort their face or do something that Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill, <laughs> Mark Hamill definitely, uh, yeah, Mark Hamill famously when he becomes the Joker. But like you look at um, Robin Williams as the genie mm. from Aladdin, and he and there's video of him in the booth, and you see him being so animated, so charismatics like all these emotions that he's he's portraying just reading the paper you know yeah. and that also helps the animators yeah because if there's something that he does in real life while reading this then they could translate that to that to the animation yeah that absolutely and like that kind of energy the listeners will know yeah right they they then one of the main highlights of it as well was that you have to sound interested <laughs> right there could be a line where you say a million times like like a line say oh that that's cold water and saying that 10,000 times so like you have to have more you have to have the same level of interest because if you don't have the same level of interest the listener will know and then if you're bored they're bored yeah right so that it's 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 a very nice panel just kind of you know putting cold water on people like you can't be a voice actor if you just want to do a you know a funny voice but if you want to here are the ways you can yeah kind of thing interesting yeah i enjoyed it it was nice <laughs> yeah all right so the next one it kind of feels like you you were down on it it's called uh, why 99 percent of movies suck okay so uh, i i want to name them <laughs> but uh the i won't yeah but uh the it was the panel joel said why 99 of movies exactly the panel is called why 99 of percent of movies today are garbage and i was expecting a panel where you you know you look at movies and you kind of dictate why are they bad and how we can improve on them yeah like right? have an intricate detailed discussion right about what merits a bad movie right like yeah. right exactly like i was thinking a white board white race marker board whatever you know a the dry erase board dry erase board thank you <laughs> a dry erase board and you know them plotting the the narrative beats like here's where last jedi failed you know this mm-hmm. is where it, it succeeded to some extent where this is where it failed again mm-hmm. and stuff <laughs> like that no not at all uh, i was introduced to a, a, a somewhat packed panel in the corner of the convention hall where they were the first thing they said was uh they crapped on my childhood that's why they suck when i walked in the door mm-hmm. and they're talking about last jedi and so and it was it's an hour podcast a uh, podcast or an hour panel where they essentially uh a circle jerk hate each other about stuff where like but they don't elaborate on it. Yeah, they right? just say this this sucks and, and go la 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 la. Yeah, right. They say this sucks. Like for example, there's one where they're talking about Star Trek and Picard and stuff like that. And in case the name didn't clue you on, 
Star Trek Picard is not about Star Trek. Right? Yeah. It's more about Picard, literally as a character. And they're saying like, oh, if you want to have this inclusive group of characters, look at Deep Space Nine, which is famously a black character, Cisco, Captain Cisco. And uh, one of the panelists was using that as an example. Like, look, there's no racism in Star Trek anymore. We shouldn't have to worry about it anymore. The, the writers should watch the show because the writers, they, they haven't watched the show, the previous shows. And, and I'm thinking like, of course they did in Deep Space Nine. Like, yeah. of course they addressed those issues. There's an there's an episode I'm about to rant. <laughs> go for it. Go. Go. go, go okay. Go. Short rant. Um, there's an episode where Cisco, uh, where the team of the 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 space station, they go to like a, a hollow deck, right? It's essentially you you can live whatever era you want, and they yeah. lived about the '60s, right? 50, '60s and '50s, and they love it because you know they're at a casino and it's cute and blah blah blah. But Cisco doesn't want to do that because. Um, famously, his people weren't treated well in that time, and to live a fantasy is discrediting all the hardships that his people have went through. Yeah. So she ignores that, and yeah. ignores ignores that stuff, and it's and the bowling point. I almost walked out because I wanted to stay there because you know I'm a professional. So I <laughs> I, I, I watched I listened to the whole thing. I guess I watched the whole thing as well. But uh. Uh, it's when one of the panelists said that the writers probably haven't fallen in love, probably don't know what what uh, how it is to feel. That's why these 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 characters are so flat. Wow. Okay. And you know, <laughs> like when you go to a panel and there are sweeping generalizations, right? Mm. Something that can you can easily disprove or just like you know, water's wet, huzzah, <laughs> yeah. or you know, like oh, food should be hot. Huzzah, like, yeah. it just, like, should it? Or should it, you know, it, it doesn't, it's supposed to, like, you, you're supposed to agree, like, yeah, you're right, they haven't fallen in love. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just, like... <sighs> was there room for, like, a Q&A after port? Yeah, like, there was. Feedback, there was. Pushback from the audience? Uh, there was no pushback. No pushback. There's no pushback. There's one audience member, like, I agree with what you said, but I don't agree. And they're like, yeah, you're right. And they moved on. They didn't wow. elaborate on it because they know there's holes <laughs> in, their in their discussion, theory, yeah. right? And if they talk about it more, the holes will be more prevalent. Yeah, I kind of feel like the way you said that this panel started where because they rate my childhood or whatever, it automatically makes it suck. Is like, I'm not going to discredit the way you feel because mm. like to some extent I felt the same way, especially after Last Jedi. But that doesn't mean that the you know the the originals aren't out like they destroyed every copy you know <laughs> right right you can still watch them yeah yeah and and yeah yeah, yeah and, that's exactly it and people like that tend to argue more with emotion rather than fact that's why they don't accept like a, an honest feedback or stuff like that because like you said whenever they counter encounter some speck of resistance their argument starts to fall apart and that's something that's very threatening to them right right and it's it's absolutely that and it was just one of the panelists kept talking about star trek and uh, that tilted your, me that yeah. tilted me off the the side and uh it, it's i mean granted i may not agree with what they say mm -hmm. but i will respect that they have the the gall to see it because we in the other countries you're not able to yeah i mean this is uh voice your opinion yeah the united states the, the the first amendment is something that's very pivotal for who we are as a culture and as a civilization right right you i know? won't censor them like they're, they're absolutely in in their own world they're correct 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with it, majority of it, but I won't, you know, stifle them or anything like that. And so I'm free to walk out, and that's <laughs> and that's exactly what I did after like five minutes before. Five minutes, you <laughs> five just minutes bailed. before, yeah. And then, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like that's this is something that we've said before, where it's like if it should be a community of like a, a welcoming, you know, inclusive inclusivity and stuff like that. But when you focus on something that made a particular movie or whatever suck or garbage as as they call it and just focus in your entire panel on just doing that that kind of just sends the wrong message in my opinion yeah yeah it definitely does and to some extent they do have points right mm-hmm. there is this meandering in, in film right we mm-hmm. do we've seen it all the time we've seen it in the rise of skywalker where there's a lesbian kiss and we're like okay who was that for yeah and it's in the who last cares? five minutes Right, like if you're gonna lean into it, lean into it. Yeah, Just it don't pander. Right, it's like, oh, who's <laughs> that? Right, and it's supposed to, you know, like Joe famously says, fill in a quota, fill in a checkbox. Yeah, and I hate that. I absolutely mm-hmm. despise that. And of course, they did too. But did they? Then they spin that. Oh, it didn't work in here. Then every movie mm-hmm. it shouldn't work. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, look at Prey. Yeah. Prey is look a at per- Prey. Prey is a perfect example where. You have a premise of a movie, a movie that's already, you know, in pop culture, been around for 40 years at this point, And you completely build this amazing story that it doesn't matter who the the, the main protagonist is. Could be female, could be male, could be whatever the fuck, because the story works. Well, th- that's the thing with, with this whole, you know, uh, diversity, woke culture, discussion, culture war crap. Mm-hmm. Where's the line? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure someone, and probably on that panel, would say praying like, "What is this woke crap?" Mm-hmm. And and if you keep getting hooked up on like, "Hey, it's a female character, or it's a black character, or it's a Mexican character, or just you know, character in general," then you everywhere you see is going to be woke yeah. stuff, right? Like just looking at uh, the the just the cast of Star Trek characters, Andor, for example, it's fairly diverse. Yeah, but is it woke? No, like I don't. I don't know where the line is. You well, know I feel I mean? like the 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 line has been blurred so much that there's there's always going to be like the extremes on either side mm. saying, even though like Prey is a, an amazing and good movie, they're still going to say, oh, it's a female, woke, 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 whatever bullshit. Yep. Or like it could be with Mario, where it's like, how come there's no <laughs> diversity in this? It's a fucking animated character. Based off of video white, game. A, a, a Italian stereotype. <laughs> Italian stereotype. <laughs> from Japanese. From, Jap- from Japan. <laughs> from Japan. Absolutely. And it's, I, I'm, that's why I don't care about the whole woke culture war stuff. Because yeah. at some point, like you said, the lines are going to be gone and then we're just going to kind of accept it. Mm-hmm. Only time we will push back is when it's meandering. Mm-hmm. And that can be said about anything, not just woke, uh, woke diverse culture, yeah. anything. I'm thinking clearly about the scene in Endgame. Mm. Where he, uh, Peter uh, Parker, hands over oh the, the A Force scene, he hands over the gauntlet to to um fucking Captain Marvel and all the girls are like we'll do this together yeah like, uh, okay see you that have to do that like, I, I have an <laughs> argument with that but I can definitely see yeah. what you mean, right it's like oh look at that yeah, yeah it's something a that, collective eye roll in the theater <laughs> you can hear it just right really <laughs> well it's the same with that and like you know Captain Marvel with like her being the Avenger kind mm-hmm. of thing it's like really it, it, it there's a line where it is and like and it's there but when it does just develop naturally or organically then it just becomes a film yeah but the, the but this panel it seemed like there wasn't a line 
anything with a, a diverse cast of characters is woke period yeah and that's a shame because you have a lot of these impressionable nerds impressionable geeks who need direction in their fandom who need some sort of voice and if they're gonna have that voice then it's just gonna spiral down the line yeah right and it's gonna like anything new is gonna suck like picard like picard a lot of discussion comes on like it's so diverse but it's they're aliens and it and the show is called picard so it's going to focus on the main character Mm -hmm. but uh, some hardcore fans are just like it sucks because it's not star trek because like yeah it's not yeah it's in the name (laughs) it's it's literally in the name lower decks that's not going to be a part of the a cast it's the same way as like mandalorian Mm. mandalorian is a star wars character set in the star wars world but it isn't star wars right Picard, the same thing. Picard is a Star Trek character. Andor. Andor as well. You know, Absolutely. It, it's something where it's like this, you know, emphasizes why we need the, the need is there for free speech. Because if you don't hear every possible, you know, viewpoint, avenue, whatever it may be, whether you disagree with it or not, how are you going to make up your own decision? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the important thing to me is present your argument from both sides Try to get as much as much information as you possibly can, and then make up your own mind. Yeah, but see, even that it it, it brings a lot of trust on that person who hears those arguments mm-hmm. and is open enough to accept them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so I could hear all the facts that water can be drunk, but if <laughs> I don't believe that, then it's not gonna phase me. Yeah, right? but then that that issue gets transformed into an even greater issue. Yeah. It's like, why don't you want to drink water? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely, right? So it's it depends. It's very subjective, mm-hmm. right? You, at the end of the day, they can hate Picard as much as they want. But if it's something that you start stopping people and gatekeeping people, like, no, don't watch that, watch this, mm-hmm. then you're, you're directing them to a certain point that you that you believe in, not that they believe in anymore. Yeah. So, anyway. It's the, it's the groupthink mentality. Yeah. <laughs> and that's scary because yeah. they were in this kind of group mentality and everyone's like nodding, like, yeah, Picard does suck. <laughs> like, did you watch the show? No. But this person <laughs> told me it sucks, so it does suck. Like, yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. and that's... Let's move on to something better. Yeah, okay. There was a Mandalorian Man- panel I saw. Mandalorian panel. Yeah, the Mandalorian panel. It was a Giancarlo Esposito. Giancarlo? Giancarlo. Sorry. Giancarlo. Gian- Giancarlo Esposito and uh, Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen, Ming yes. Ming-Na Wen, she's, yeah. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. Yeah. I mean, Giancarlo is pretty pretty as well. He's a pretty good actor. Yes. Yes, but, that's what I meant to say. Ming-Na Wen. <laughs> The only one who was a Disney princess. Right. Uh, she was Mulan. She was Mulan, a, an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, in the Star Wars universe. Dude, I, I feel like I was the only Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan because I was like, the Calvary has arrived. I was screaming <laughs> in the top of my lungs. I was like, the Calvary. But uh, th- that panel was uh, such a palate cleanser. Yeah. Because you have G- Gianna Carlo Esposito and he's like just saying that given his, he had, he's so happy of the opportunity to uh, work in Star Wars and like how uh, Dave Filoni uh, wrote the character for him mm-hmm. for the kind of character he is and then he was able to Moth Gideon Moth Gideon and he was able to express and even uh, Fennec Shan mm-hmm. right both of those actors they, they loved what they do and they wouldn't trade it for the world and I love that the panel um, gave that kind of energy yeah and it's something refreshing when you <laughs> see somebody who or you know hear somebody discuss 
their fandom. You know, yeah. it's the same reason why we fell in love with uh, Henry Cavill because yeah. he's a he, he's a god, basically, and yes. he's one of us. <laughs> yes. One day I can be super buff. Yeah, one day. I just got to work hard. <laughs> Fuck, I need a nap now. <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 I, I get that feeling of um, with Ming-Na Wen... Obviously, you know, she's she's had her foot in the, the geek culture for years and years and years. But Giancarlo Esposito, him having that opportunity to portray a legit terrifying vill- Star Wars villain. Yeah. One we haven't seen in a long ass time. Absolutely. Moff Gideon. Like, it's he's such a multifaceted character and, and Esposito plays him like that. Yeah. Is he on your side? Is he taunting you? Does he want you for dinner? Who knows? Like, you know, <laughs> he, it's just he's such a great actor and I can't imagine someone else playing Moff Gideon. No. I, we were there was that rumor bantied about that he wanted to play um, Professor X. Mm. I'm all for it. Oh, I would love him as a professor. Would you think it's threatening, though, for a Professor X? Probably. Like, is he trying to help you? Like, yeah, he's Professor X. Like, are you so scary? Why is he so scary? (laughs) Is he even immune? Like, no, he just likes rolling in the chair. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like, we don't question him. I would love to see him in X-Men in general. Like, Mm -hmm. not even just Professor X. Just show him. (laughs) Just Just in the background, he's just there. (laughs) (laughs) He's Moff Gideon in (laughs) X-Men. Yeah. So I, I agree with you 100%. Like, especially coming off of a essentially bad panel to to something where it's more lively, more of the spirit of the convention rather than, you know, a celebration. Because this is what it is. You know, we're yeah. getting together to celebrate our fandom. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... and. Like they're they're open to their opinion, mm-hmm. but like you said, at the end of the day, we're all here just to celebrate. Like when I went to celebration, uh, I did it, it was just there for Star Wars mm-hmm. sequels, prequels, animated stuff, you know, holiday special in its own category. Like we're just there to celebrate Star Wars, and there's one moment where we all went into the fandom as young as kids or as teenagers or whatever, and we were happy. Yeah. Right. And to spark that happiness again collectively is what we should all do. Yeah. And now, especially where it has become way more accepted. Right. Like when we were kids, you know, there was a core group of, of, of children who watched, um, you know, superhero TV shows, read comics and stuff like that. But once you started growing up, you didn't talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Fortunately, at least for me personally, I didn't get that kind of shunning. Uh huh. Uh, you know that most people older than me, you know, like, oh, you like Star Trek? We'll put, we'll wedgie you, yeah, or nerd. something like nerd, and they kick you in the face. You know what I mean? That yeah. kind of bullying. But I was fortunate enough not to have that. But I was fortunate enough to have that. Let's not talk about it, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like no one, like looking at me, like does he know Star Trek? Like, like just look, like, look at me, like mm-hmm. if right, like if I'm walking down the street, like does he know Star Trek? But I love Star Trek. Yeah, like I've watched almost everything, and I love the movies and all that stuff. But I haven't gotten the place to talk about it a lot of nerds recently yeah right right yeah which is so did anything stand out from the mandalorian panel oh gosh it's such a blur yeah i I just i just love you have to change your pants (laughs) after it (laughs) oh maybe (laughs) but uh it's i think it's them just talking about star wars Mm-hmm. Just them talking about their experiences on set, to be exact. They, they had Min Yao Wen had a, a story about uh, uh, Boba Fett, 
uh, Tyrion Morrison. I forget. Mm-hmm. His, I'm sorry, I pronounced his first name wrong. But Morrison. Yeah. Right. And he had a, he had she had a story where they met for the first time, and apparently he was super serious, and uh, he had like this face where you know don't mess with him, and and Ming was intimidated from him until they cut. And then, you know, he's all happy. He's like a big teddy bear. And it's like, hey, you want to go get some breakfast or something? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And then, and then she's, she goes up to him. It's like, you know, you're very intimidating. And, and he's all confused. Like, really? I am? And stuff like that. And I just just doing that to mess with you. Mm. Or like, not mess with you, but, you know, bring out your character. Yeah. Right? Bring out that kind of persona so that you're he's serious, you're serious kind of thing. And she flicks it. She's like, you know what? Screw you, dude. And then she <laughs> flicks, like, she does the middle finger. And then I was like, I thought it was the most adorable thing because she's like just this actress who has a lot of history and she's like no and she got fooled <laughs> she got kind of like trolled yeah and she's like no screw you dude yeah so his name is uh, timura timura morrison t-e-m-e-t-e-m-u-e-r-a morrison one day we'll get names right in this podcast i mean that's this is the whole thing with having like a diverse uh, yet people with you know names that are not the the usual you know Jim John right Henry Henry <laughs> <laughs> but overall uh, I, it's it sucks that's not a panel right it's something that's less intimate I I'll just leave it at that yeah but it, it was great to see them and it was great to have that collectiveness with a bunch of it was huge it was a lot of people like I went there late for the panel because I was coming from the other panel. And there was a huge, huge crowd of people waiting to get in. Yeah, well, just just around the the main stage because mm-hmm. it's like it, the main stage was against the wall, and then they had like kind of the U shape of people just sitting there listening and stuff like that. Oh, that's interesting. So now they moved it up against the the far wall. Right? Yeah, the far wall. So when you enter, it's straight ahead. Yes, yeah, you know, it used to be to the left, maybe to the right, mm. but it's it's straight it's, toward the back. Yeah, straight towards the back. Because if I could. I think the the exposition hall reminds me of a rectangle, a big bigger rectangle, yeah. and then like the, a hangar. Yeah, yeah, hang oh, exactly like a hangar, and then the the main stage was at the very end. So when you went in, you saw main stage. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like the the times before, the main stage is like right in the middle, <laughs> or like you said, to the left or to the right. Yeah, it, it, yeah. There wasn't. It was just. It felt out of place. But exactly. now that it's in the back towards where more people can converge, rather than just like randomly stumble onto it yeah that's interesting yeah definitely the the placement of all the booths were tactical and they felt nice because not only was the main stage straight ahead from the entrance but it was on this at this very comfortable carpet that you can walk on towards and like you know going to a con and walking for four hours straight and hitting that carpet is it's a godsend yeah you know all right um so the last panel (laughs) the last panel you went to it has this like super long name. <laughs> Are you gonna pronounce it or will I pronounce it? I don't even have it. I just wrote on my notes <laughs> panel with the big ass with a long ass name. <laughs> okay, so this panel was and is one of my favorite panels ever. Is is the answer that you wrote on your card the same answer that I wrote on my card? And essentially, it's it's a play on those original Hollywood match games where mm-hmm. one character at the end of the line would have a, like, say, they're giving a prompt. Say, for example, I think one of the prompt was uh, Alita 1 from Transformers is having a, a, a stomach ache, so she went to the mechanic to get blank. 
Mm-hmm. And like Mad Libs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mad Libs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mad Libs. And the first person would have a, a name and then other people would kind of try to match. Yeah. So if the more people that match, the more points that that person gets. Okay. So uh, they, they did that little run. And I got to say, man, it, it I haven't had so much fun at a panel ever. Because there was like 12 people. <laughs> 12, it, was, it was a huge panel. Was a lot of veteran voice actors, voice actresses and stuff like that. And just just the, the energy was so fun and effective. We're in the front, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that seems like an interesting... So was it a... Only the the panelists were playing, or was the audience playing? Or the audience was playing. They were able to pick two uh, two young ladies to be uh, contestants, okay. and there one was a college student. Uh, I think uh, she was going to I think um, like Cal State, and another one was a high school student. And you can tell that the high school student and the college student, or there are different energies because there are different phases in their lives. Yeah. You know, the one who was a uh, the high school student was very uh, was very goth looking, and she mm. she exuded that energy. And then the college student was like all happy go lucky, like yeah, let's do this. <laughs> instead of so uh, I appreciate that because you know you have contestants who are just I don't want to be there, some yeah. stuff like that, and uh, it, it showed that they have that energy. And so that a lot of the veteran voice actors and actresses they were kind of caught off guard on how much energy they had they're stealing the host was like they're stealing the show over here uh, so that's fun that's cool that's something where it's like uh, like you said an audience member comes in and just essentially drops the gauntlet on the professionals quote unquote right <laughs> and it makes them feel like if they're out of place yeah in a sense um it, it's interesting so can you do you know any of the, the the veteran voice actors who are on there? Yeah, actually, one of the from the actual panel on how to break into voice acting, Kissy Jones was there. Okay, uh, a lot of them were from TV shows and uh, narrative podcasts. There's one podcast that they kept saying like, "Hey, look at that! She's from the, the award winning show." <laughs> and they, she kept saying it throughout the, all of shoehorn in exactly. It's like, "Oh, look at that! She's the she's the awarding voice actress in the hot show or something <laughs> like that." It, it, it was amazing. And uh, I'm sorry I forget the top of my head on the name of the podcast, uh, the the narrative podcast. I will uh, try to find it and put it mm-hmm. in the description. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was it was a lot of those uh, kind of like award winning kind of actors and actresses, voice actresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So day two, which was uh, your panel day, was the overall feel that you got? Uh, I I felt at home. Yeah, <laughs> that makes, yeah that, that's that's one thing that I, I'm right there with you because even though the, the last few times we went to Comic Con it was like packed, yeah. I still felt like I belonged. Right, and and it's we're coming back from the pandemic. You know, there was people who were one of the people I've interviewed. There were people who were kind of annoyed. Uh huh. But that's because they're getting used to being in person again, mm. you know, kind of thing. Because we've been there for two years and we're just used to each other. But now we're in a more open forum. I feel like a lot of the energy I got was unhinged. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but, you know, they can actually enjoy their fandoms. Because like you said, back when we went, even with a, a, a group of people who love nerd geek stuff, comic books and all that, uh, there was kind of a restraint. To it, right? yeah. A feeling of, of of waiting until there was a panel where you then you can express yourself. But here it was just non-filtered expression. <laughs> you know, people are like, whoa, look at that. And it's just like looking at posters. And then the panels in the main stage, even more people were screaming like, yeah, we love you. And, you know, all that good stuff. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you should have went to. 
<laughs> Dude, I've told you, I've told you before. I know. There's only one thing that supersedes. <laughs> I can't be, dude. There's a Comic Con every year. There's all this only happens every four years. That's okay. That's true. All in right, case, so, you, in case yeah. uh, the viewers, our listeners, excuse me, don't know what you're talking about. You so talking? the one, okay. So I've, I'm a you know geek to the bone, but the one thing that supersedes my fandom <laughs> is soccer, is sports, soccer, or or football, as I call it. Yeah. Um, and this year around the World Cup is in December, November, December. They moved it, you know, Qatar corruption, whole story. But <laughs> there are games in the morning. Yeah. You know, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, there were four games. And I just can't miss it. And especially now where it's like, it's so accessible. I have watching it on multiple screens. The games are at the same time. I'm, I have one game here, one game there. I'm watching. It's it's just it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's like the setup in Matrix yeah. where they have those multiple monitors. But instead of you know the numbers and stuff going down, it's it's just soccer. Just soccer. Just yeah. soccer or football. Yeah, yeah. soccer. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair, and I forgive you. No, I mean, I wasn't asking for apology, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you have it anyway. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's been a. A weird month, just because like mm-hmm. the games in the group phase, the games were at two in the morning. I've been waking up at two in the morning, turn on the TV and I'm staring, <laughs> watching, and then I'll sleep for maybe half an hour, turn on for another game. And so it's gosh, it's automated. Yeah, it's it's ingrained in me, and it's something that I understand and acknowledge that the organization that holds this event is corrupt to the bone. Yeah. But for me, it's about the sport. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's the spirit of the sport. Yeah, and the spirit. Speaking of spirit, the Comic Con spirits. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same yeah. thing. It's like something where, where we go to this convention and it's filled with a hundred thousand nerds and we all feel at home. Here, it's countries. You know, like unfortunately, the USA, Mexico, the two teams that that have my backing are terrible. <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to win a World Cup in my lifetime. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't rally behind a nation like Croatia or Morocco or something. You know, something that where historically they've had a bad rap, but they come together and yeah. you know for the love of the of the sport. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So one, let me ask you one question. Mm. Every every time we've go, you've made a point about doing this, and I'm gonna ask you if you got one. Did you get your street dog? No, you did not. I did get, not. Oh my god! So. I did not. I, it was raining. It so was, I know. I I I did not. I, for, I for those of you who don't know, L.A. I'm pretty sure like every convention has this, but right. like in L.A. it's notorious where. Um, there's a bunch of street vendors, and they sell uh, L.A. Street Dogs, which is basically a hot dog wrapped in bacon. It's a delicacy. Yeah, it's, it's a... It's amazing. Yeah. Once you get past, like, the chicken assholes and, like, the <laughs> hooves and all that stuff, then, or yeah. the fact that you might, you know, it might be a little undercooked. Yeah, you might need a <laughs> shot afterwards, but you're good. <laughs> no, I didn't. Why? I, 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 I don't happened? I don't know. I, I feel like all my energy was at the con, mm-hmm. and I was so fixated with the con that anything else superseded it. Yeah. So when I was there, there were vendors, and they literally chased me down. Right? <laughs> like, you, you put my kid through college. Come yeah, yeah, like you're back. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I don't know for the life of me. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like it was missing, or you just no just did not even enter your mind? It didn't enter my mind because I was so enthralled with just going to panels and going to you know the booths and going just meeting people. 
uh, that food became a secondary <laughs> thing. I didn't even eat. I like I I usually eat once a day because I'm intermediate fasting, but. I didn't eat. I drank water a little bit, and it was like a marathon. I didn't think. Go. Yeah. Speaking of marathons, was the LA Marathon? No. No. Okay. Good. Thankfully. Yeah. Jeez. That's one thing that's been that was a um, a hassle, just because the LA Marathon and the San Diego, uh, the LA Comic Cons, were on the same day. Right. So they had the major uh, streets in LA closed. So crossing Figueroa on the car was basically impossible. Yeah, no. Uh, it's either that or they, they did it so it doesn't interfere. interfere. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of those, you know, the, mm. the don't go here, you can't walk or, yeah. or anything. Yeah, that's interesting. So day three, you basically just spent interviewing cosplayers and booths and stuff like that, right? Yeah. All right, so... Uh, Give me a rundown. How'd that go? So uh, the the booths were impressive. I, I loved going to all the booths and seeing meeting all the people. Uh, two booths in particular sticked out to me and like hit me where I live. You know, mm-hmm. like really resonated with me. And it was the it was the booth, the L.A. Ghostbusters booth, uh, headed by Jeremy Treat. Yeah. And um, oh, it, it's it's like you walked into the movies. Like their booth was like a lot of memorabilia. There's ghost traps. There are PKE yeah. meters. There's even a uh, a um, a fire alarm from the like the one you press and like the one that press when they say uh, they got their first job yeah. at the Cedric Hotel. Yeah, they had that. So nice. each time they pressed it, like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm home. Like, <laughs> did they have the Ecto one there or no? They did. Yeah. I don't know if it was theirs, but they did have a showcase with all the nerd cars. Uh-huh. You know, they had the the DeLorean and stuff like that. Yeah, the classic kid. Yeah, DeLorean absolutely. Yeah, and okay. like just a short short thing about the LA Ghostbusters. Uh, they are a, uh, I, I suppose, a costuming group that goes to charity. Mm-hmm. And they're they're relatively big. The LA one is huge, but there are other like little uh, clubs growing across the states. And That's they cool. And they want to connect with the states, sorry, California. And they want to connect to them and make it into a bigger kind of thing. And that's fantastic. They're um, consolidating the tribes. They're consolidating the tribes, right. <laughs> There's one, uh, when I was interviewing uh, Jeremy Treat, there was one where he called uh, the Sony offices, I believe, uh, is uh, the home office. <laughs> the home office. I was just like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. And it's something that we're, because of, you know, fandom or, or the type of fandom that we 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 exude, is very kid centric, mm. like superheroes. All that stuff is catered towards children. Right. It's just us, you know, thirty year old <laughs> fucking adults who who never grew up out of that phase. Right. So I love when when you you see a post online it's like, oh, this guy dressed up as Batman and spent the day with sick kids in the hospital and stuff like that, which is something that this organization does, right? Something that helps a charity for kids who are in need. Yeah, it, it's. It's great. I, yeah. I couldn't help but tear up. If I wasn't so much of a man, I would I would start crying on the spot. But it's the it's the Starlight Children's Foundation, yes. and the the LA Ghostbusters are essentially one of the biggest people to bring money to that foundation. Mm-hmm. Together with Sony, uh, they're they're creating these gowns, which are essentially the the getup for Ghostbusters. You have the proton pack in the back. You have the jumpsuit with the name tag. And um, one of the things that stuck out during the interview with Jeremy Treat was... Uh, co-founder, right? Of the of, yeah. of LA Ghostbusters? Uh, yeah, co-founder or founder. One, one of the, the heads. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, he, he, he detailed... <laughs> he detailed that 
going to the hospital is scary enough. Mm-hmm. You have to have something where the kids can get their mind off of the scary uh, procedure or just being around sick people. Mm-hmm. And what better enough to get them off their minds is but Ghostbusters with mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. So that gown is w- what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be uh, transport them back to the seventies <laughs> with you know at the firehouse with McMahon, just busting ghosts and just with your friends. And that's what just resonated with me when I was talking to him. Yeah, that, as I was listening to your interview with this, with him, I was thinking about, I saw this picture online where I think in like I don't know, some country, it wasn't here because in the United States, we don't do cool things like this anymore. But <laughs> they had um, the the chemo for, for kids with, with cancer um, right. to make them feel better. They encased them in like, like a... a um, a casing with a superhero emblem and they mm. told the kids like this is what superheroes used to become super yeah oh. to like try to help them ease them through that 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 horrific uh you know treatment of, of chemo yeah absolutely and i've been to the hospital not me but you know i've had family members i've had you know friends go to the hospital and just i there's moments where like i what can i do to get your mind off of it like mm. what i, I want to help you right and i could just imagine kids mm-hmm. you know just barely in life 13 10 years old and they're having chemo yeah it's hard it's horrific right it, it's something that it's the, the 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 segment of our population that needs to be protected the most yeah and it's something that unfortunately like the the standard person can't do anything to really help them fight chemo and stuff like that the only thing that they could do is just bring some joy Right, and, and that's why these organizations like the LA Ghostbusters or the people who go dress up as superheroes and go to to the um, the hospitals to cheer these kids up and stuff like that. Like they're doing, they're doing superhero work then. Yeah, themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the LA Ghostbusters, uh, I, I can't applaud them enough. I can't applaud what Jeremy Treat's doing with the, the organization and. And I hope to see them more often. <laughs> I yeah. hope to see them at other cons. They, they low-key try to recruit me. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> so like, yeah, that would be, be a, a perfect uh, end for you. Like, it's one thing where I was also listening to the way he was explaining yeah. what the gown is, it looks like. And, like, I was thinking, it was like, I had surgery. I wish I had a gown like that. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, like, I'll look horrific because, yeah. you know, you have that gown for kids and it's I'm a big dude. You got to but... take, like, four or five of them and sew them together. <laughs> So I could so I could use it, but yeah, absolutely. The gowns look amazing. It's all it's all backed by Sony, mm-hmm. uh, the holders of you know the rights and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's something where because they're doing so it's like such a good deed, it it would be shitty of Sony to not back them. Oh yeah, hell no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I I loved talking to him. I loved seeing just the environment and and all that good stuff. And he he had a booth or yeah okay yeah he had a booth. Uh, he I feel it. I he gave the impression that he was his organization was in the major cons as well. So mm-hmm. guys, check him out. Uh, Jeremy Treat, you can't miss him. What's the website? It's uh, the LA Ghostbusters dot com. LA Ghostbusters, yeah, LA okay. Ghostbusters, yeah. Just. So, and the, the second booth I went to was essentially kind of like a nerd out as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's called the Heroes Journal, and, uh, and a lot of people. Essentially, it's it's a day planner. And a day planner is supposed to bring kind of a spin to, you know, planning your day, but also having it like it's a quest in a uh, fantasy game or a sci-fi game. Yeah, it's something to, to help you 
organize your your like you said your day but like make it in a fun way right and it pushes discipline mm-hmm. and like i gotta say i don't know about your childhood but when i was discovering nerd stuff it, it was very touch and go mm-hmm. you know like who who i had no direction to go online no sure but you know online is filled with trolls and other people and then other and that's something that it's not really spoken to up like I can go to a random stranger hey what kind of nerd stuff is cool yeah right and this kind of the hero's journal gives that incentive to explore avenues that you couldn't really do by yourself but also kind of make a uh, concrete discipline in terms of like you know yeah it. it feels like it sounds like it's an an aid to help you focus more yes Absolutely, absolutely which is i feel like a lot especially in, in newer generations that they need like like you said when we were kids there the internet wasn't what it is today yeah and unfortunately like even though the internet has brought a lot of good i feel like it's also brought a lot of negativity yeah and especially for those generations who grew up knowing the world with an internet like we grew up knowing a world without the internet yeah which is wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the only touch of internet, the earliest one is dial-up. Yeah. I remember just sitting there with a live the wire. disc? Yeah. We just throw them at each yeah, other? Yeah, throw them <laughs> at each other. I remember like, oh, it's a Frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, it was, the, the boot's name was The Hero's Journal, which is, of course, a riff on The Hero's Journey. And mm-hmm. it, it's very much rooted in that. And I had the opportunity to talk to uh, Nick Fidelaro, which is essentially the co-founder, which surprised me because I was like, um... And, and like, is it okay if I talk to you and stuff like that? And he he's very cool. Yeah, he seemed down to earth, very yeah, chill. Yeah, he's very down to earth, down, down, very chill. And uh, his his interview was was very inspiring because mm-hmm. essentially he started this uh, the Heroes Journal a couple of years back just to uh, to have some structure in his life. Like he started with a regular journal, and he thought it was like, why not make it into like a game? Why mm-hmm. not do? And then it just spiraled from there. And now he has all these books and all this, all this kind of variations of what he wanted to do. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> which is it, it's interesting because that's that's a message that I've heard echo by s- several people and like high ranking people. Like one of the the ones that I'm thinking of that immediately comes to mind is this guy named uh, Jocko Willink. I don't know if you know who that is, mm. but a uh, former Navy SEALs commander. So. As tough as you could fucking get. Oh, yeah. He looks tough. Yeah. As disciplined as you could fucking get. And one of his sayings is discipline equals freedom. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to the the generations that didn't necessarily grow up that way. Like, with me, I was a kid and my parents instilled discipline in the sense that weekends, summers, all that stuff, I would go work with my dad. Yeah. That was like my form of discipline, stuff like that. So I'm not saying that that's the best way to do it because obviously I'm fucked up to some extent because of it. (laughs) But but some structure, I feel like, is what we need. Yeah. And this is a perfect way to make it that, that, that sense of, having structure in your life but also make it interesting yeah absolutely they're like i hate walking (laughs) i i i I, I get the necessity of it i hate walking not not because it's walking but is that why you walk fast uh, yes so you can get it over with well because it's boring (laughs) yeah it's boring you're just walking like all right what else is there to do look it up look down if you think walking sucks try running (laughs) i I hate all i hate all that stuff 
Yeah, because I, I do walk fast, like, yeah. like just to get it over with. <laughs> and uh, there, there are things where like, hey, listen to like walking, and it's like it's a zombie thing, like mm-hmm. a zombie narrative. Someone's chasing you. Now you can walk and you can listen to like a story in your head. And, like I love that stuff. Yeah. It makes something so mundane bring something so creative, right? Yeah. So that that's what the hero's journal is. It brings discipline. It brings motivation. It brings structure, but also it makes something that is usually mundane, like writing in a journal about your day. And makes it into an adventure that yeah. it's your it's you yourself who drives the narrative forward. Yeah, and it, it encourages creativity. Yes, which is also another really interesting way of getting into things. You know, Absolutely. like is one thing that um, f- for me in my case is that I've always I've always been not always but like my formative years I've always been fat, obese, mm. and the times that I have slimmed down was I was playing sports you know something where it's creative something where it's like fun it's interactive it, it's challenging right and i feel right. like this, this the hero's journal is something perfect for a person who wants to start the first steps to you know fixing i don't want to say fixing their life but essentially yeah now bringing some sort of resemblance of order mm-hmm. in a world where a lot of things are out of our control we can control how we feel yeah. or how we react or how we seize the day right so the, yeah they uh, i just seize I, the lo- day. yes seize the day <laughs> <laughs> just, so thank you so much nick fidelaro and jeremy treaton giving an opportunity to interview you for a little bit and sorry for nerding out because i was <laughs> if you it's going to be on the Substack, yeah, the, substack. the full interview and I, I you can't you can hear me giggle and like kind of jump around <laughs> jump around at some point yeah it's you were very excited yeah, yeah. I mean, how can you not? <laughs> mm, that's interesting. So, from here on out, you interviewed a couple of cosplayers, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> back to you. <laughs> and it, it, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I love it. There's a lot of love going around, and a lot of these cosplayers. I mean, just to name all of them, because I want to name all of them. You won't stop mm. me. But uh, there's a there's a couple who are cosplaying as Batgirl and Nightwing. There's one who was a Fallout Raider, and he made his. It's a full on getup, but also he had some sort of backstory from it because he was inspired from the Fallout games. Yeah. Uh, there's one. Wait, the one thing that uh, I was like with this dude was like. His Fallout was Fallout 76, just because it's, like, the more recent one. Well, when I asked him, which Fallout? And he's like, Fallout. And I was yeah. like, whoa, Jesus. And in terms of, like, he's an OG. Yeah. Like, right? He, that underlining of fandom and stuff like that. Uh, there was one Mando cosplay I had to chase down. Mandalorian? I, I literally chased down. Like, yeah. I saw him in the corner of my eye. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I ran up to him. And I like, I, I like, you know, it was tap kind him. of intimidating to tap him because he turns around and he's in this full Mando outfit. <laughs> I'm like, um, Mr. Mando? Din? Mr. Din? Uh, Mando? Jared? But yeah, I was able to interview him. Um, there was uh, one of the fun ones was a noir Spider-Man. Yeah. And he, he was super into uh, talking about his fans. So describe his um, his costume because like noir Spider-Man is black and white from head to toe. Yes. And obviously, since we see in color, we can't really achieve that without doing some extraordinary steps. So did he go right. all out? Oh, yes. Yeah. Did, oh, he, yes. did he paint his face or what did he I wear? I didn't, like, even, see his face. <laughs> I didn't, see, I didn't his see his face. I didn't see his face. I interviewed him and he was in costumes while I was talking noir Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, what was awesome was uh, I didn't get an opportunity, but I understand why, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, his family was also <laughs> dressed up <laughs> and, and, and I think one was uh, a symbiote spider Gwen. I nice. think I think one of his uh, kids, he had like a bunch of kids, and I think some of them were just various Spider-Mans. I think one was anti-venom. 
and it, it, it's it's gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> that really sounds cool. in, like a super intricate costume to make. Yeah, and it, he definitely exuded that energy that he wanted. <laughs> like, come on, let's do it. And a fantastic way to introduce your kids to like your fandom, right? Just yeah. cosplaying as a family. And uh, yeah, Noir Spider Man. One cracked me up is that he had a prop. And in case you guys y'all haven't seen uh, the animated TV and movie, uh, Into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider Verse. Thank you. Uh, he has a uh, a Rubik's cube, but in his world, <laughs> everything's black and white, so it's just a black and white cube. He brought out a, a black Rubik's and white Rubik's cube. Yeah, I was like, I I can't. I have to be professional, but I it, it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I absolutely loved it. He even did the whole thing. Like, I think I got it, and, and he's looking at it, and I, I, that was great. Um, there's also the one another Spider-Man and it was his first but uh, he had like his eyes were animatronic so each time he he opened like he opened one one would open and one would close did he explain how he achieved that or no uh, it's like I, a secret I, of the trade or something I think it's, it's in an interview if you guys want to see uh-huh. he, I think he, he briefly talks about it but it was it was really cool to see him in that outfit I think it was I think it was the Spider-Man from the game Mm-hmm. So it was from the PlayStation 4 Sony Spider-Man in game. And uh, it, it was just great. I chased him down too. <laughs> I didn't want to... I wanted to interview all the people who are Spider-Man or from Spider-Man you know, comics, but uh, I didn't get the chance. Yeah, it was one, one of the like really cool questions that you asked all of the, the cosplayers was basically um, any advice that they have for new upcoming co- people cosplayers people who want to you know get, dive into that world and i feel like that's something very important to hear different perspectives yeah because you know each one gave their own um advice according to what what it, how it went for them yeah and that's something where it's like for somebody who's thinking about getting into cosplay that's you know you want to say the fear of public speaking times a thousand. Oh you're, yeah. You're putting yourself in this very vulnerable situation. And like us humans, we tend to stray from that, get <laughs> away from that. So having the courage to actually dress up as the, um, do the character you're trying to portray and not essentially care whether how accurate or how not accurate, how you know realistic, how not realistic, how minimalist or how right, super right. intricate your costume is, the the whole thing is just to first make that first step. Yeah, and a lot of like I could feel the love from all of them. You mm-hmm. know, just the fact that they, the the advice that they gave was to take your time, but also don't compare yourself to other people. And like you said, there are these huge cosplayers who are super intricate, like mechanized suits that open up and stuff like that. And it is intimidating and it does have an aspect of social speaking where you have to be in in public, Mm -hmm. but also being able to express your fandom in that kind of way is something that is unique to cosplaying. It's something you can write stuff, you can, you know, create stuff, but just to become the character that you admire it takes a lot of guts, but it all takes a lot of love. Yeah. So to for them to all, like majority of them were just take your time. It's an intimidating hobby. Yeah. I mean, granted, the the Fallout guy was. It, I didn't take a photo, but he was in a huge metal outfit, right? And he had a like a chain gun with him, and he was like walking around, and he and he. I was able to talk to him without his helmet, and he was sweating. Bullets. Yeah, my God, I could tell. He, he, he was sweating bullets. He had a handler who was giving him water and stuff like that. And it takes a lot of like patience to reach that level of, of intricacy. Yeah. But once you're there, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's something that we're, we've seen like throughout the cons is that 
doesn't matter how you know accurate or whatever it is that your your costume and looks like as long as as you're enjoying it and having fun it's really what matters right absolutely and all all of the cosplay i wish i talked to more people Uh, i was just running around talking (laughs) and just but a lot of the cosplayers that i I spoke to are are very in love with what they're doing yeah are very in love that that it's intimidating sure but you know there's one character she was batgirl and nightwing and just like couple cosplays are great yeah just because it's like there's so many so many ways that you can pull that off and but also it's like the storylines that we probably might not see i mean i know barbara and dick are are kind of a couple but sometimes they're not sometimes they are there are variations of them there are couples maybe barbara fell in love with someone else and and it's something that the cosplay can exude the interest you have in that fandom truly yeah it's it so Overall, what would you call this return of the Comic-Con, in-person Comic-Con? Uh, How would you rate it? Uh, a good step forward, rated, oh, like yeah. out of numbers. Uh, I'd do it like a 9.5. 9.5? 9. 9. 9.5. Definitely it has stuff to improve upon. Granted, that's every Comic-Con yeah. or any con in general. But to to be in person, it, it it's a feeling like no other. Like You can have a digital version of it, sure. And so for much part, we, we did have a digital version. But to be there with other people, to experience, you know, the fandom in person, it's it, that opportunity can never, ever be replicated through a screen, let alone something that is as miniature as other con or anything like that. Yeah, that's something where the intimacy of being in person, you know, unfortunately, we went through this um, horrific time period of two years where essentially the world had to stop. Yeah. And as, you know, things just started moving again, we, and I'm talking we as the collective, not me and the, we as the individuals, but we had the to figure we. out the royal, the royal we. <laughs> we had to figure out ways to, you know, keep people safe, obviously yeah. first and foremost, but like try to reignite or restart that magic. But un- unfortunately it's not like being in person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and it's. I had opportunity. I took off my mask because I wore my mask the whole thing because I'm a paranoid guy. Yeah. But it, it it's different when you have the mask on, but when you talk to them face to face, like and like you're all just they're all they're all smiling and giggling and stuff <laughs> like that, and it's great because you can express yourself in a, a zone that is relatively non judgmental. Yeah, yeah, non non judgmental. It's it's like the best the best times i've had and even though like for me the crowds has always been an issue because like yeah it's too much people but it's still i still find myself thinking it's like oh that time we went to comic-con it was fun it was awesome yeah yeah absolutely and there's moments that you will never get back and Mm -hmm. la comic-con thank you for the opportunity yeah yeah that's been our show for this week uh thank you for listening to pop salsa you're looking at me like you have something else to say. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, vi- <laughs> I'm vibing with you. I'm sorry. No, you're looking at me like, wait, that's it. No. So thanks for thanks for listening to, to our show. Like, share, and subscribe. Um, Pop Salsa. Hmm? Your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy, Ernesto. Hey, and all the interviews will be on Substack. Uh, we'll post them by the end of the week, so they should be here. If you're listening to this, they're on their live now. Yeah. So go ahead and check them out. All their social medias and all their information will be in the description and also on Substack. Follow us on Substack 
at Pop Salsa. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. All right. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. For show updates, follow us on Subfleck and Twitter. Links are in the description. You can find new episodes weekly on whichever podcast platform you swore allegiance to.